21 CL Radio. Happy Monday morning to you. My name is Michael Bull, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. I am your host today. Actually, I'm kind of your host every single time. Uh, if you haven't heard it before, we want to thank you for joining us on our mission, and that is building communities of learners. Today, I've got a cool learner. In fact, I've got an author, a presenter, a consultant. His name is Matt Miller. And yes, every once in a while, I do interview somebody from the U.S. He's from the state of Indiana. Teaching is a great profession, especially for those of us lucky enough to teach internationally. However, sometimes we may wonder what life would be like on the consulting, coaching, and speaking circuit. Should we take the skills that we have and put ourselves out there to the point that people hire us to help them out? High school Spanish teacher Matt Miller did just that. He took his writing hobby and consistently posted helpful tech teaching tools to his blog. He continued his writing to the point of publishing his book. Today, Matt has taken off time from teaching to hit the speaker circuit and work with other teachers all over the United States. Matt shares his story with us today. Enjoy the conversation. Matt Miller, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm glad to have you back. You were a special guest on our Tech Tools Daily uh, show. In fact, one came out yesterday and one, uh, the second one, Padlet, just came out today. I don't know if you saw that come across your feed yet. So thanks, first off, for doing that with us. Yeah, hey, that was fun, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're always hoping, of course, that Oprah is now going to give all of us a call and get us on her show. So we'll see. You get a car, and you get a car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so I wanted to talk to you today about, uh, so you were a high school Spanish classroom teacher, but now you're an author and somebody who run around, runs around doing uh, professional development. I know there's a lot of teachers out there that think, you know, I wonder what it would be like to go from the classroom world to the consultant world. And I was wondering if you could mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that story. Like, how, how did you go, what were the first steps and maybe the beginnings of becoming, of going from classroom teacher to like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to try something else out. Yeah, and you know, I was one of those teachers too who kind of was curious about that and wondered how it would go because uh-huh. I I I very first started um presenting I professional development. I I just presented at my uh my state uh world languages conference and just got accepted to do a presentation there and did it once and it went over real, really well and I'm going, "Huh." Hmm. That's kind of when it first started to dawn on me and I started to wonder, what would it be like? Because I know I knew that people did it. It kind of it was kind of like that, you know, that magical unicorn that <laughs> you know you try, you try to catch. Or at least that's what it felt like at the time, anyway. And so, um, so I just I just kind of like started trying to get in and present wherever I could. And a lot of times, for the first I'd say year or two, as I was kind of building my skills and practicing and getting the hang of what I, what I was good at presenting at and what I liked to present at. And, um, so, you know, pretty much any conference that I could get into, if they would give me a a free ticket in, then I would present, I mean, like the whole day, just whatever sessions that they wanted me to and kind of cut my teeth on it like that. I was also very fortunate that here in the state of Indiana, we have about 20 regional, um, tech conferences all around the state Wow! where the state department of yeah, the state department of education gives these grants out and these local schools will host these conferences. And so I was able to, you know, circle around and do probably 10 of them. I think my, my second year into this and even mm-hmm. more of them last year. And so that, I mean, that was great because there were just lots of opportunities. And so 
I'd say anybody that's that's thinking about it, really just try to get in the door wherever you can. And there were times where I would go present and there were like four people in the room. <laughs> and there was a little bit of me that was going, why am I doing this? Right, right. And, you know, I went to a conference once where, where Vicki Davis, the cool cat teacher, she has a blog called cool, uh, coolcatteacher.com, I think. Uh-huh. Um, she's been doing this much, much longer than me. And she gave me a little piece of advice. And she said, whether you're presenting for one or you're presenting for an auditorium full of people, always give them your 100%, whatever that is. Sure. And now, so Now, I'm wondering, though, when you were doing this, did you have a long-term <laughs> plan to get to the point where you are now, or you were just kind of having fun? It was kind of, it was a little bit of both. Like, I I thought that I might like to get to the point where I could do this a little more full time, but I wasn't sure how possible it was. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I'll just continue to pursue this. And then once I got some, some practice at it, um, I mean, I knew that a lot of these conferences needed good speakers, and they would probably, to get good speakers, they'd probably at least cover my my um, travel expenses. And so I started just kind of little by little building it up. And then I, then I started asking for a small speaker's fee and people were usually willing to do that to the point that it kind of became like this nice little summer job. And so that's, Uh that's kind of what it turned into. And honestly, for a little while I thought, well, if I just do this during the summers, then that's, that's not a bad way to go. And you know, I didn't know exactly where, where it would all lead, but I was, I was like, kind of like you said, I was enjoying it and it was going well the, the way that it was there at the beginning. So I'm wondering along the way, I mean, so as a, as a language teacher, was that what you were focusing on and, and you've moved to, I mean, your, uh, your book has ditched that textbook. So mm-hmm. how, how did, what sort of, how did you decide what path or angle to take? And cause you're probably much more focused now than you were perhaps back then or folks even in a different area now, how did, how did you decide which way to go and which path to take as far as types of presentations you would give? Yeah, that's, and that's a good question. I really didn't analyze my audience too much at the beginning and started mm-hmm. thinking about it a little bit later. And um, the, the first conference that I presented at was a world languages conference because I was a world languages teacher. But a lot of my options were a little more general interest. And I've always been fascinated by technology and what it can do and how it can change the classroom. And so that just mm-hmm. seemed like a logical step for me. And it just happened to be that, you know, over the last however many years, I mean, technology has continued to grow and grow and has been sort of a point of fascination for other people also. And so I just kind of went with that. And I started off in the world language classroom and then I started to think, you know, if I was an English teacher, how could I use this? If I was a math teacher, how could I use this? And I just did my best to try to put myself in their shoes and just sort of think like my readers as best as I could. And that that was a whole other trick also is trying to figure out who my audience is, who are the, I say readers, the readers of my blog. Yeah. Um, you know, with that, trying to figure out who the audience is and what it is that they're really looking for. And I started to find that my most popular sessions and my most popular blog posts were the ones where I was giving practical, here's how you can use this in the classroom type of ideas and activities. And it was just kind of through trial and error and asking around and watching which sessions got the most people in the seats. You know, that, that kind of helped shape what I did, I think, um, just as much as my, my passion for it, I think. All right, so you started off having a good time, started with the world languages, honed in that you're going to focus on uh, tech, and now you're doing it full-time. So 
what point did you turn? You know, you're a married guy and, and tell your wife, hey, honey, I'm going to quit my job, though perhaps maybe you, I think you mentioned you took a sabbatical, so maybe you took a, a year's leave of absence. But you said, honey, I'm going to go do this full time instead. What, what brought you to that point? Okay. Um, it, was, it was an interesting email turned um, Google Hangout with my publisher, the publisher of my book, Dave Burgess, who's the okay, author so, of... So the book came first. The book, yes, yes, the book came came first. And so um, this would have been, I think, two summers, yeah, two summers ago. Okay, and and I'll, I'll be sure to ask you about the book in a minute, but go ahead, go ahead. Okay. That's fine. And and they all sort of, sort of play together. Um, but basically, I saw Dave at a conference, and... I went up and shook his hand and got the obligatory selfie with him. And um, we kind of went our, our way. And a couple of weeks later, I was thinking, you know, I bet he might have some suggestions for me. He's kind of doing what I aspire to do one day way off in the future. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, you know, why not just send him an email? And I had done this with a couple of other people and that, that did presenting that I respected. And I actually suggest that if anybody's interested in getting into this, um, a lot of times people who, who do it are very generous with their time and their experiences and are willing to help. And so I just sent Dave a sort of a blind email and I got this enormous long email back from him. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> expected him to just send me an email and said, keep up with it, kid, you're doing fine or something like that. Are you sure and, it wasn't <laughs> a, a copy and paste from the other emails he sent to other people? <laughs> Maybe it is. If, if it wasn't, <laughs> if it was, then he did a good job fooling me. And so, right. Uh, we got on a, um, a Google Hangouts call and he basically, I asked him if I want to boost my, my speaking career, if I kind of want to take it to the next level, what do you suggest? And he said, well, I don't know how well this will go over with a guy with a blog named Ditch That Textbook, but I think you need to write a book. Ah. So, yeah. And so I, right after he said that, my first reaction was, well, who's going to publish me? Right, right. And he says, he says, I will. Oh, and okay. that took all of about two minutes to figure out. So anyway, that's, that's sort of how the, the speaking thing started to take off was that he suggested that to boost the, the speaking arrangements um, that I might want to consider writing a book, which I had sort of thought about before, but didn't really take it seriously until he gave me some details. Okay, got it. And so let's talk a little bit about that book. So Ditch okay. That Textbook is the name of the book. And, you know, we t- I think we talked in the uh, Tech Tools Daily about the irony, I guess, a bit of, uh, of having oh, yeah. a book about ditching People a textbook. Love, they love to talk about the irony, yeah. yeah. So, so I really need to buy a, text, a book to learn how to ditch that textbook? Or, yeah, so I, should, or, I shouldn't have even brought it up. Huh? Yeah. But, oh, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Now, this probably, I'm going to guess here, grew from your blog, right? Like you just yes. probably took the content you've been curating and sent yourself all this time and went ahead and wrote it from there, right? Am I, am I right? That was, yeah, well, yeah, that was, that was a big springboard to, to what the book became. Um, okay. and, and I've heard, I've heard other people who are bloggers turned authors that have said, you know, with all of the, especially if you blog regularly and, you stick at with it for a while, you you've created an enormous database of content. And so mm-hmm. um, if you can kind of repurpose that now taking, making it just an anthology of all of my blog posts, wasn't really what I wanted to do. Sure. I wanted to, I wanted to pull it together into some major themes and then use some of my content from my blog to start it and then write some more um, original content to kind of 
flesh it all out the way that I wanted it to be. So mm -hmm. it's it's kind of a, a mixture of blog content and original content that I wrote from the book. But yeah, that's that's sort of how it all got started. All right, and people can find that on Amazon.com, I believe, right? Yes, they sure can. All right, and we'll be sure to link to it in the, the show notes as well. So how long has that book been out now? Uh, since April, so about nine months. Okay, so, and I assume... Probably the people who read your blog, which you started right away, which is the smart way to do it, are the ones who are interested in that book and telling others about it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot that, that came from that. And um, I'm also fortunate that through Dave, my publisher, he goes and presents a lot of places. Uh -huh. And he always tells people about the books that he has published and sometimes has copies of them available for purchase right there. And so he's, he's really done an awful lot through that and through social media. Um, and I mean, that, that's a whole other thing. I my opportunities to present and to go talk to teachers just absolutely would not exist without social media and without my blog. So those really were sort of what, what made this all possible. Okay, so I have a question. So, you know, you, we we talked about how you already do a lot of presentations. So you're out on the road a bit right. doing that. Right. Does it make that much difference to be a presenter that has a book versus a presenter who doesn't have a book? Hmm, that is a great question. You know, personally, I don't feel like I'm any different of a person or any different of a presenter than before I wrote my book. But mm -hmm. I am told by people that it does make a difference that, and I think since my, since my books come out, I've had more opportunities to present, um, out of my home state of Indiana. Um, more of those have come around, I think because of the book. And uh -huh. so it definitely does open doors and sometimes gets people to listen to you that might not listen to you otherwise. So it, it is influence I'd say, but really the heart of my message is still the same as when I was a blogger. I still am very much the same person, but sometimes the book, it's kind of like social proof or validation, I guess. Sure. And, and it's important to some people, I guess. So really, is this right? Like the book, rather than being, let's say, a source of income, it's more of a, as you mentioned, door opener and a way to connect with people. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of both, um, but it really has, yeah, it really has opened a lot of doors. Um, you know, when, when I very first started doing this, Dave, my publisher said, you know, if, um, <laughs> once you've written a book, you have an, an excellent business card to hand people mm. <laughs> because instead of handing someone a business card, pull out a copy of your book, sign it and hand it to them. And okay. what are they going to do on the plane ride home from that conference? They're going to read that book. And then when they get back, then hopefully, you know, maybe they'll give you a call and have you come, come present. So, um, he said, he even said, you know, if you're if they're looking for an expert in a content area, now you can say, hey, I wrote the book on it. Uh, right. So <laughs> that's kind of nice too. So what are you going to do when everybody ditches the textbook? Then you're done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. See, did, that, you, did you think I about mean, that? <laughs> I I really didn't. No, I mean, I guess that means that I would have made an impact on education. And so, so that's good, but I still do have kids to feed. So yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'd have to come up with a different book or a different thing. I don't know. Something else you can throw in a trash can. Yeah, well, true that we always have to reinvent ourselves. All right. So let's, I want yeah. to take the, go in a little bit different direction. So you, you got the book, sure. you're doing presentations and other okay. than spending your time on marvelous podcasts like this, what do you, what's a typical day like for you? So what could somebody expect to do if they had your life? Oh goodness! Um, now, and make it sound good. You can fib if you need to. 
Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, goodness. Let's see. There, the typical day is that there really is no typical day. Um, I, I think I kind of have, I think I can kind of break it down into two different kinds. There's, um, there are days where I'm out presenting. And so, uh-huh. you know, a lot of times those are start the day in a hotel room, find my way to a school, get set up, try to get connected to the Wi-Fi, do my presentations, talk to teachers, uh, listen to the concerns, that kind of thing, and then either head home or move on to my next spot. And so that's that's one type of day. Mm-hmm. But those are those come less often than the other type of day, which is the work from home day. And when I very first decided to do this, when I very first got started with this, I thought, oh, the the stay from stay at home days, you know, I'll be able to like do some housework uh-huh. and Wait, you, I'll be able. What, you, to, you didn't tell your wife that, did you? Well, <laughs> we're we're still trying to work that out. Right, but, right. Um, but yeah, I thought, man, if I'm doing this all the time, I mean, I was doing some of it as a as a teacher, and I thought, well, if I want to ramp it up some, it's not going to take that much time. But honestly. I can sit in front of my computer and answer email. That, that's actually what I did today was for the most part was I answered emails and I talked on the phone to people who had booked me to present. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, and I said before that social media has such an impact on my ability to do this. And so that's one thing that I've been very careful not to forget is I try to you know stoke the fire on social media as best as I can. So always trying to go out and find good content, you know, around Twitter and blogs and different things like that and try to share it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just whatever content that I can there. So there's a lot of that and preparing for presentations. And I mean, there's just, there's just a whole bunch of that behind the scenes stuff that takes, it really takes a whole lot more time than, than I anticipated at sure. the beginning. Well, when you're creating content, content, you never know how long it's going to take. It can take forever. I mean, yeah. sometimes it's the best part, but it certainly can take a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I've I've written two blog posts a week for about all. I'm posting in on three years now. Oh, and yeah. So some of them, some of those blog posts, I mean, will take will take hours and hours, like you know, four or five hours to get it just right. But um, I've got one tomorrow where I've kind of got it all figured out. And I think I can get the, get it all wrapped up in one hour, but I mean, still you're right. Content creation, it, it takes a lot of time, but there's so few people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's so few people that do real content creation mm-hmm. that write their own blog posts that create their own stuff to share on social media. And whenever you do create something and you put it out there, it can have a real impact. Even if you don't think, and this is the way that I was a lot at the beginning. Even if you don't think that the stuff that you're sharing is that big or mm-hmm. that groundbreaking. I mean, a lot of times I was just sharing activities where I was saying, oh, well, with this tool, you could do this. Or if you were wanting to use this feature, then you could do this in the classroom. And I mean, people absolutely ate it up. And I'm going, this is just me brainstorming ideas. But the thing is, is that it was from my unique voice and perspective and it was me taking the time to look at things from a different angle mm-hmm. and then taking all of that and putting it into a package that I could serve to my my readers and people may not think that that's that big of a deal but it is huge especially when it fills a need that those readers or listeners or viewers really have if you're I mean if you can go out there and provide value and 
serve a need that people have, then it's, it is enormously valuable, more so than you probably realize. How important, uh, three years, three, two, three times a week, we're looking at about 150 blog posts or so. How important yeah. is it to, to be the consistent like you have been? Oh, my goodness. I, I really think the consistency has been huge because I, I actually started my blog earlier than that. I, I started my very first version of my blog was a, uh, was a free WordPress.com blog that I did. And I started, sure. I started very typically. I, st- I went out like gangbusters. And I mean, I, I put out, I think, three or four blog posts in a week. And then it was two the next week, and then maybe one the next week, and then it was a couple of weeks. And I, I did that whole sort of flare out thing that so many people do. And then I started researching the, the people who were the pro bloggers um, and what they said to do. And they kept saying consistency is key because it means you've got a constant flow of content that goes mm-hmm. out to your readers but it also means that they know that it's coming and they know when it's coming and they know when to look for it. So you become a part of their daily or weekly routine. Okay. And being able to do that, I think, whenever people started to count on it, I think that that's when things really, really took off for me. Okay, so what's better, consistent podcasting or consistent blogging? <laughs> oh. You know which goodness. answer I want to hear. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, this is the podcaster asking the blogger about this. Um, you know, I've, I've got some friends who have some really great podcasts. Uh-huh. You, of course, included in that. Oh, and, thank you. <laughs> um, and that's, that's their voice. That's their outlet. And it really works for them. And um, they, they've had great success with it. And for, for me, I, I've been... I've been sort of a writer my whole life. Writing's been kind of my thing. And so that's where I wanted to go. Now, I will say that I think that the average teacher is probably a little more apt to stumble upon an article on a website that they can read instead of download a podcast just because some of them either don't have the tech savvy or don't realize that they have the tech savvy. But I really think that podcasting is taking off and I mean, especially when what there's a there's a native app on the iPhone that's for podcasts that you can get really easily. I think the more that people realize what it is, the personal nature of podcasts and the ability to actually listen to someone talk about something you're interested in Mm -hmm. on your commute or whenever you've got downtime. I think that's enormously powerful. And once people start to really get the hang of it and more and more of them are getting the hang of this podcasting thing every day. I think the more that they get the hang of it, the more the more powerful the podcast becomes. So, you know, I'm I'm not going to pick one or the other here because I think there's enormous power in both of them. Well, I I would say people are either a hundred, even a thousand times more likely to click on a blog post just because you know the yeah. co- the commitment curve is is different. When you listen to a podcast, you're you're yeah. sitting down and focusing. It's hard to jump out and to skim like you can with a with a blog post. But conversely, right. there's less podcasters, so there's less competition. So. Yeah, yeah. But the, the advantage that I think that you've got, though, in podcasting is that people get to hear your voice and they get to hear how you put things. And they they kind of develop that relationship. Like, I'll give you an example. There's a podcast I love to listen to called This Is Your Life by Michael Hyatt. It's sort oh, of yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think it's his focus is on intentional leadership, like living your life intentionally. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I've listened to almost every podcast that he put out since episode one. 
of his very first season. And it's the strangest thing. I really feel like I know him. I know the names of his wife and his kids and I know where he lives Uh and I know his history and I know where he's worked and I know a whole lot of his journey and I've never met the guy before, (laughs) but there's, there's just something to hearing someone's voice. I mean, it's almost like it's, it's almost kind of like you're having a phone conversation with them. And after all of those quasi phone conversations, I really feel like I know the guy and he's never met me. And there, there are probably millions of people that, that are exactly, or at least thousands and thousands of people that are exactly like me. That's the power that I think that a podcast can have. Okay. Well, I don't think I have millions of people yet that uh, have listened, but you never know. Uh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's get down to a couple final questions here. So sure. the first one is, uh, what's the best part about all this? Now, I can guess the worst part is maybe the travel or something, but what's the best part that reminds you of why you're glad you're doing it? I think the best part of this is also the best part of teaching. It's the light bulb moment. It's those moments when people finally get it and they're empowered to do something that they, they couldn't do before. And I think whenever you see those, those are like little glimpses into the world of education that you want to see come to pass. And so whenever I see somebody get it or somebody sends me an email and says, Hey, now I'm able to do this. And I wasn't able to do it before. Then I know we're starting to make progress in the direction that I'd love to see education go. And so I think that's probably that's probably the best part right there. And the travel the travel is rough. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's fun to see new places, but then when you get there you realize, or at least for me anyway, whenever I go on vacation with my family, the best part is exper- experiencing it with them. Mm-hmm. And now it's just experiencing it but not having really anybody to share it with. And so, yeah, that that is probably that's probably the roughest part and trying to balance that is always the the trickiest part of it i think gotcha that makes sense i hadn't thought of that uh experiencing it with your family versus experiencing it on your own because of course you come home and you yeah. say hey let me tell you about it. and they might be like yeah that's nice i can't relate exactly yeah you know last summer i went to el paso texas and the organizers that had booked me um one of them was was uh we were in the car and we went almost to the top of a mountain and he stopped and pulled over. And from where we were, we could see into Mexico and we could see into two other States. Oh, wow. And my, my wife loves mountains more than I do. And I was looking at that and I'm going, Oh, I wish that she could be, and my kids could be here Mm -hmm. and they could see all of this. And it was, it was neat to be able to see it myself, but it would have been so much better with them. Sure. All right. Final question. So before we sign off here, how, uh, I'll put all this in the show notes, but what's the best way to stay in touch and get a hold of you? Uh, well, um, I'm, I'm on, uh, social media, a bunch, specifically Twitter. My Twitter handle is at J Matt Miller. That's the letter J Matt with two T's and Miller. Um, but really my, my home base is my website, ditchthattextbook.com where I blog on a regular basis. And if you want to keep in touch with what I'm up to, um, people can sign up for my, uh, email newsletter that comes out twice a week. And if you do that, I was mentioning this on uh, Tech Tools also, mm-hmm. that um, if you sign up for that, you get a, a free copy of my ebook called 101 Practical Ways to Ditch That Textbook, which has you know lots of practical ideas for implementing in the classroom. And so um, that's probably the, the absolute best place to get a hold of me. All right. Awesome. Well, I've been speaking with Matt Miller. He is an author, presenter, consultant, and all-around nice guy. Hey, thanks for your time awesome. today, Matt. 
My pleasure. It was great. Thanks. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.